Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 13. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of the kings, to open the doors before him, the gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who called you by name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the east that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen vessels. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, ask me of things to come and will Will you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands? I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their host. I have stirred him up in righteousness, and I will make all his ways level. He shall build my city and set my exiles free, not for price or reward, says the Lord of hosts. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Joined today by the beloved young adults and families pastor, Tommy Nelson. Man, that is a kind introduction. Thomas, it took me a while to come up with that. Wow. I saw you writing earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll put my index cards down now. And uh, so here we are, Isaiah 45. We're getting a lot more specific today, Thomas. Um, Yeah. You know, we've been talking about idolatry, about the transcendence and power of God. But yesterday's passage ended with a little shout out to a man named Cyrus, mm-hmm. who uh, God says is his shepherd, which, you know, it's really bold to call a great king of the earth, you know, one of your shepherds. Um, it's kind of like calling Tom Brady your water boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have Cyrus, who's entered the equation yesterday. And today is kind of all about Cyrus. In the ESV, this heading is called Cyrus, God's Instrument. And so it's interesting because basically the two things or two of the things that we can easily deduce from this passage is that Cyrus doesn't know God, verse five, I equip you though you don't do not know me. And then just throughout the rest of the passage that God is going to establish and exalt Cyrus in this kind of warm and friendly way. Like it's, the language is kind of nice. And then there's this very striking prophecy that Cyrus is actually going to be involved in rebuilding his city and rebuilding the city of God, which is also a very specific, it's a more specific prophecy than most of the stuff that's been going on in this section of Isaiah. So Thomas, um, would you please be so kind as to tell me 
and all the other listeners of our daily rhythm what you think about the first 13 verses of Isaiah 45. These are not your standard. I'm going to read these in my quiet time because I'm so familiar with these verses. Mm. Um, now, some of the ideas in these verses are familiar, and we like to quote them, we like to pull them out. Um, but I, I love the overall picture of the sovereignty of God Amen. Yeah. in this passage. The Lord's plan, regardless of how uh, informed or uninformed the humans are that are involved, when the Lord purposes something, his purposes cannot be thwarted. Yeah. And he clearly is going to call Cyrus. Um, Cyrus is going to come to power. And this is like 200 years before Cyrus is born. Yeah, um, totally. And so he's going to call Cyrus. Um, Cyrus is going to become uh, a king. He's going to go and take over. He's going to pull back the things that were taken from the Lord's people. He's going to rebuild for the Lord. Um, and like you said in verse 5, I equip you though you do not know me. Um, and I think that what we see after that is very, um, it's it's kind of very uh, Job chapters, you know, 38, 39, 40, 41. It's, a, it's like the end of Job yeah. almost where we start to see God showing his power, describing himself. And we don't get a bunch of those pictures in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of those clear times that we get a picture of the power of God and him, him saying clearly through Isaiah in this prophecy, um, don't be mistaken. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all of these things. And I think to me, that is a verse, verse seven, that really pops off the page uh, of, hey, whether it's a wonderful scenario um, pictured as light, whether it's a really hard time pictured as darkness, the Lord creates those. Now, that's not to say he's created the sin that caused that, but he creates those things. Mm-hmm. And we can rest, whether it's a time of light or time of calamity, because he is in charge. Mm-hmm. And so I love the picture of God's sovereignty. And that's a that's a 30,000-foot summation without getting into the weeds. But the picture of God's sovereignty and how the follower of the Lord, who... Isaiah was writing to eventually like these are supposed to be people that are following the Lord that are reading this text mm-hmm. can start to say, man, that really bad time. The Lord was in charge. Mm, absolutely. That really good time. The Lord was in charge. He's always working and he's working for his purposes. And I, I want to be a part of his purposes. Absolutely. You know, we're still uh, at this point in prophecy. Yeah. We're, we're a little ways off from, the kind of like ruin of Jerusalem through Babylon and then the fall of Babylon to Persia. That's right. And so this is certainly, like you said, like speaking way down the line. So I think, you know, the fact that we're speaking of Cyrus, God raising up Cyrus as this instrument uh, to kind of bring nations into submission and then to rebuild Jerusalem, that should lead us that alone should just lead us to a place of great wonder and worship Mm -hmm. of the Lord. And then I I think like just one of the profound themes here is God working through the mess of human history. Um, And I think like Mm -hmm. sort of to use that idea of like, I make well-being and create calamity. um, We can oversimplify 
and black and white, like our human experience to where basically the clean, well-ordered stuff is of God and everything else is like apart from God. It's like outside God's will. It's a big, bad mess. Yep. And of course, like there are things that are outside of God's decreed will, like for how we should live and, you know, um, his precepts and everything. But what we should see is like God works through the nations of the earth. He works through kings who do not know him to accomplish his purposes. And what that really tells us is, you know, all the other gods of this time are so geographical. It's like, oh, this is Baal. You know, he he's kind of king of this territory, uh, the god of this territory. And then there's this god, and he's kind of paired with this king, and they're over this territory. And so in all these conquests, nations would understand, like, the different gods and kings of different uh, areas kind of like warring against each other. And the way that God is making himself very distinct here in Isaiah mm-hmm. is saying, I hold the lines on all of this. You know, Cyrus, he he's, you know, one of my favorite little tools right now to bring about the flourishing of my people. And so even through this like evil king, you know, like Cyrus, like uh, I think we were saying yesterday, he, he's not, he wasn't like an elder of First Baptist Persia, you know, probably, right. uh, you know, a wicked. Or First Pres Persia. Or First Pres. Either one. Not even either, First United even, Methodist. I mean, I mean none of them. <laughs> like, none of them. Like, probably a wicked, pagan, you know, ancient king who did shady stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet the Lord is working through his conquesting of nations to establish a time and a place for yeah. his city to be rebuilt and that is so reminiscent of, you know, God's going to, and this is what Daniel 11 does so well as it traces it kind of down, uh, depending on how you read it to the Roman empire. And basically God is going to bring up another like king who's going to set up an even more like widespread, insane kingdom That's right. called the Roman empire. And through that, which is full of wickedness and debauchery and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But God uses the authority of that king to create a perfect time and place for Christ to enter into the world and yes. for the good news to spread quickly, for the church to grow like a weed. And um, so we should like always be aware in our politics, in the global current events, that God is at work through all of this for the flourishing right. of his people. That's absolutely right. I, I, uh, I think verses 9 and 10... Are um, are two very memorable verses that echo that sentiment. So maybe j- just looking at those two, uh, we can draw some some handles as what is said in here. It's one of the words in here. Draw some handles to maybe put on this. It says, "Woe to him who strives with him who formed him." So it says right before that that the Lord made man. So it's it's not good when we strive against God in our mm. purpose for him, but also in what's happening in the world to say he's out of control, he's lost control. Um, uh, and then it says that God formed him as like a, as though he were a pot among earthen pots. And then he says, does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to his father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman with what are you in labor? Um, and the, the, the pot uh, the clay speaking back to the to the the potter um, is is another example that's used elsewhere in scripture, and so 
we we want to be really careful that we we don't lose faith and throw our hands up and say i guess the world's just so bad and god's just lost control we we do need to to rest in his control now we we need to 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 fight for the things of god and i mean yeah. i mean fight in, in a very christian sense yeah um we need to 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 strive for truth to act justly love mercy walk humbly with our god mm-hmm. all those things but we need to trust the lord and I think if we could just kind of put a bow on this whole thing, this is talking about something that's going to happen in 200, like Cyrus isn't even going to be born for 200 years, mm-hmm. let alone take over. Yeah. It's so easy. And we see this, like when I take people to to, to the Holy land and we, we tour around and we're seeing these incredible things, what we're so often looking at is what God's already done. Mm-hmm. And it builds our faith when we see like, Oh, God's already done this. He was true to his word. Mm. you can stand in the Holy land. You can see the temple. Like you can see the temple Mount where the curtain was torn into. Like you can, you can picture it was right on top of that, that piece of stone right there. That's where the temple used to be. And the curtain was torn into. It's so difficult though. When you Mm. say, okay, you trust God with the past. Do you trust him with the future? Amen. And I really think Isaiah's call in this passage is you got to trust God with the future. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, such a great word and um, so much mind bending things happening here. I mean, just in the predicting and naming a king who's yet to be born and yet to rule and reign. And uh, it, it should lead us to trust in God's sovereignty. And, you know, I, I think uh, Jeremiah 11 or sorry, Jeremiah 29 is a great example. This is what D's uh, started the Life in Babylon series with. But mm-hmm. the God's call to exiles is to wait for him and while waiting to be faithful where they are. And that, you know, through all these insane mind-bending historical events, he's going to work out salvation for his people. And so we need to be faithful ambassadors where we are of the right. city of God. So a great word in Isaiah 45. For Thomas Nelson, this is Will Carlisle, and you better believe that we'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.